Do you just love this podcast so much and wish you could find a way to monetarily support us? Well, guess what? Much like NPR, we thrive on support from viewers like you. So if you love this podcast and you want to become a contributor, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. Click the support button and choose the amount that you want to contribute each month to our podcast. This helps keep our podcast going, and it keeps the phenomenal content that you have come to know and love flowing. So yeah, what are you waiting for? Sign up today. As always, thank you so much for being a listener. We appreciate you. We see you. And we hope you enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. If you do not want this film ruined, do not proceed. There's spoilers galore. You have been warned. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me, the classic film podcast and movie club where I, Sarah Greenfield, your host and classic film enthusiast, bring in my entertaining friends to talk about classic movies or any other form of old-fashioned media that strikes my fancy. On today's show, we're talking about the film She Done Him Wrong from 1933 with my wonderful guests Lauren Lopez and Daniel Strauss. Welcome to Talk Classic to Me. I am your host, Sarah Greenfield, and today on the show, I have my wonderful guests, Lauren Lopez and Daniel Strauss. Welcome, guests. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. So good to be back. Yeah, and I'd like to say the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today on the show, we watched the film She Done Him Wrong from 1933, the Mae West classic. What are your, like, initial opening thoughts on seeing this film, friends. Short and sweet. Yeah, I love a movie that's not, you know, by modern standards, not even legally a movie. It's my favorite <laughs> yes. kind of movie to watch. I love that. Yeah, I I rented the the movie yesterday and I went to watch it and I was, I was settling in for a long one because I feel like all the old movies I've watched, which are not a lot, they've all been kind of like longer, but I was like, okay, here we go. It's gonna be two, two and a half hours. And I saw the runtime and I thought it was a mistake. I was like, did I rent like a like a preview of the movie? And so I had to Google it and I was like, wow, it is a 60 minute movie. So you have perfectly led us into why I chose this film, <laughs> because I'm not kidding. That was one of the reasons I've been in graduate school this semester. I just graduated. And so all the movies this season have pretty much been comedies and they've been shorter. Amazing. <laughs> and that's because I just that's what I needed right now. Um But I also chose this movie because I feel like there's, to me, there are two like Mae West quintessential classics. I'm No Angel and She Done Him Wrong. And She Done Him Wrong is kind of like the first big Mae West leading lady film. So I felt like that was more quintessential. So I picked that one, even though I personally prefer the other one, I'm No Angel. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're also doing this film in May because it's Mae West and we have not talked about her yet. And um, Lauren, I know that sometimes I've given you films on the show that you have not loved. So I wanted to pick something that was like very campy and fun for you because I was like, even if you don't like the movie, you will probably like Mae West. And yes. then Daniel, I just wanted your, to see how you experience this. There's really no other, this isn't your type of movie. It's not up your alley. It's not a noir, but I was like, yeah, you'll have fun. So there we are. That's why, that's why we're all here for this film. I'll do a quick plot synopsis uh, for everybody here that's listening at home, in case you have not seen this film. It's not plot heavy, so don't worry. Um, It's a comedy. (laughs) And uh, it's the gay 90s. That's what they called the old days, the 1890s. And the beginning of the movie is like, 
aren't we nostalgic for these things? Do you remember the days when people had handlebar mustaches? This was my experience in the 90s as well, by the way. Right? Everything that they said at the beginning in that thing, I was like, yeah, that was the 90s, all right. That was the 90s. Handlebars on faces and on bicycles. When there were handlebars on lip and wheel and legs were confidential. That's like what they said about the 90s in the beginning. I think that's the tagline from Empire Records, too. Um, But what they liked about the 90s, I do want to point out, they're like, look, we had horses, horse-drawn carriages. And uh uh-oh, there was horse poop. Do you remember that? And then they were like, look, there were bicycles. Aren't bicycles fun? And beer only cost a nickel. But also there's anti-Semitism and we're contributing to that. So I, there was a lot of like, ooh, there, here's some good stuff. Here's some bad stuff. Um, so anyway, it's that was the gay 90s and we're feeling very nostalgic for it, aren't we? And then um, everyone's talking about this woman, Lady Lou, and how beautiful she is, how handsome she is. This is another quote. And um, we find out that she's dating the head guy of the saloon, but that she used to date a gangster named Chick, who is now in jail. He went up the river, see, for um, for stealing diamonds for her because she loves diamonds. Diamonds are her favorite thing in the whole world. The Broadway play that this was based on was called Diamond Lil. So they changed it here. She's Lady Lou, but she loves diamonds. So um, Lady Lou is the singer of this club. Every guy she meets just kind of falls in love with her. She's with the head of the club now, but he's up to no good. He's got his hands in a bunch of different bad things. We'll talk about them because there's a lot of them and it's confusing. So he's up to no good. And then there's a government guy on the loose and no one knows his identity. And he's called the Nighthawk. And there will be spoilers because we're going to tell you who the Nighthawk is. Or is it just the Hawk? I don't remember now. Just the Hawk. Just the Hawk. Anyway, the Hawk, he's a government agent. And uh, Lady Lou likes Cary Grant. And Cary Grant's young and hot in this. And it's one of his first early movie roles. And he works at the mission next door. Um, And uh, she she really likes him. And uh, through the course of the film, a lot of body things go down. Uh, People are murdered. But it's fun still, I guess. And um, at the end of the day, Lady Lou decides that uh, she wants to be with Cary Grant and he ends up being the hawk and everybody bad goes to jail. And even though Lady Lou committed a murder, she doesn't go to jail because it's pre-code and it's fine. And she had to, you know, so that's I think that's the movie. I think that's it. Right. That's it. And that's about how long it was, too. Yeah, that's all that happened. in it. Well, you got to love the fact that this movie's an hour long and there's like 15 minutes of song just yes. in it, of her just singing. You're like, we have to talk really about the songs. Didn't even have a full like you only have 45 minutes of, <laughs> of script for this movie. The first like three minutes are that montage of being like, look at how great. So actually, it's more like 42 minutes of script time. But then yeah. you got to take off time for the credits. So you're actually looking at like probably 40, 38, 40 minutes. Yeah, the whole beginning of the movie is basically like a TikTok being like, yeah. <laughs> who remembers double-decker bicycles? By double-decker, I mean bicycles built for two, by the bicycles way. Bicycles built for double-decker two. Double-decker bicycles. Yeah. I don't think they existed, double-decker bicycles. I don't think they were a thing. Does anyone remember? Is it just is this the Mandela effect? It shows all those things. And like I said, it shows the good and the bad because there's horse poop and there's... It was that a was he was the Jewish person a peddler? Was that what they were trying to say? I was uncomfortable. See, some kind of business person, like they, uh, yeah, they were insinuating something. I had to do a kind of a double take in that moment. I was like, yeah. are they? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> this isn't going to bode well for the rest of my review of this film. But by that point, I think I'd kind of zoned out. 
was a minute in. Let's all be very real. This is not like an excellent film, right? Like you don't watch <laughs> this film because it's like an Oscar winning, although it was nominated for Best Picture back in the day. Just saying. Yes. You don't watch it for those reasons. You watch it because of Mae West, because she's really funny and she's a character and she's so witty and she's such a badass. And that's why you watch the movie. I yeah, think. Yeah, she's great. She, I just like. I love any movie that starts with like it basically starts with all the actors already taking a bow. Like they're showing everybody's face and they're like, oh, this guy's in it and this guy's it. Can you believe these people are all in the movie? It's like, OK, you could just show me the names and then I'll be the judge of whether they we need to see their face at the end. Um, and then after that very long opening again, lots of filler in here for an hour long film. After that, then a big title card that's like the 90s, who all remembers? And then like a montage of like six different shots of like beer was five cents. I'm like, all right, can we can. So, so that's why I tuned back in. But at that point, when I was like, all right, someone's going to have to advance the plot. It's at some point we're like two minutes in already and nothing's happening. Yeah, well. They were good at building the anticipation because we don't see Mae West for a while. Yeah. So, you know, they, they're they like, hey, remember how great the 90s were? And then they're like setting it all up with all the other people talking about how great she is. So that when she finally shows up on camera, you're like, OK, is she as great as they say? And I mean, they're, they all talk about like how beautiful she is. And I that's nice. But I wish they talked about how funny she is or how I don't know. She's so cool. But they, they are talking about how hot she is. <laughs> I this is my first Mae West movie. I've never seen one before. Um, and in my mind, yeah, I was like, Mae West, like, wow, she's like bombshell. Like, she's one of those bombshells that you always hear about. She's a sex symbol. Yeah. And I was kind of like, is this just like a is this just like an era thing? Like, it's just it's more it's I'm looking at it through a contemporary lens, so I'm not seeing it. I think there is actually a difference between like a sex symbol and like a super hot person. Like, for example, I don't think you necessarily have to be incredibly hot to be a sex symbol. Like, for example, like people like refer to like Jeff Goldblum as a sex symbol. And like, I don't know if people would be like, oh, my God, because he's like so hot. But he's like, there's a certain like je ne sais quoi. There's a way that he kind of carries himself. You're like, oh, that guy's kind of sexy. I feel like she has that going on as well. She like she just sort of like exudes this kind of sexual energy uh, that is it's tangible throughout the film. Yes, I agree. I OK, can I bring up one thing? I yes. I agree that when she's talking and she's doing her like, rah, 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 you know, like everything is that <laughs> it's like and she's making all these like kind of puns and like quips. You're like, yes, very like sexual and free. And we love that. But I will say I do have some notes on her as a stage performer. Okay. For Lou. And again, I don't know if I'm looking at this just through a contemporary lens. You know, we, we have we have such powerhouse performers now that we watch like, you know, Beyonce. And you're like, wow, Beyonce is just absolute superstar, commands this. You're like, yes. So I don't know if I'm just comparing everything to like modern day performers. But when she was on stage, it was kind of like, go girl, give us nothing very much that energy where she kind of just kind of slumps onto the stage and she sings her songs. She's just kind of standing there. And I'm just like, okay, you know, so I didn't really feel it from Lou as a stage performer. I, to me, it didn't match the reaction she was getting from the crowd. These men were like losing their fucking minds, excuse my language, over her performance. And she was just kind of standing there and going like, rah, rah, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
I do kind of feel like that was the style of the day. Cause like, let's sure. think about it. If we're in the 1890s. Yes. So, well, first of all, like Mae West herself is a vaudeville performer. So she kind of has like built up a character through vaudeville. And so I feel like this is just like an extension of her character. Like it's yes. not so much that she has the best voice ever, but she's right. like, this is my character and this is who I am. And you're getting close to my character right now. And because it's the 1890s, there's nothing else. There's no TV. There's no radio that people are listening to. This is all totally. you have. So to me, it's just like, that would have just been the style of the, the best day. Thing. Yeah. Yes. That would have been like the coolest performance. And she's singing body songs and she's hypersexualized. So yeah, it's not like yeah. she's necessarily like the greatest singer or performer ever. It's just that she's this constant persona, this constant personality. And in, in my yeah. brain, especially this time, actually, I wanted to say this in the why I chose thing. To me, Mae West is one of the first drag queens that's ever been like a performer in a film, because to me, a drag queen is like is someone that has crafted a persona that has built up like a larger than life version of themselves that they kind of can live through on the stage. Mm -hmm. And she does this with her personality, with her, as RuPaul would say, her charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent. Mm -hmm. um, but she has like wigs and makeup and these gowns and body shaping stuff like padding. So I'm looking at her thinking like one, so many drag queens have like taken inspiration from you, but you kind of feel like the original drag queen to me. Um, Interesting. And I, I also don't think drag is just like essentially men pretending to be women or dressing up like women. To me, drag is like a much wider concept. I think you'd call that a bio queen. A bio queen? I don't know if that term is still used, but previously I've heard the term bio queen used for like a woman in drag. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I, well, on Drag Race, they've had trans women and they call them drag queens. They're very well, maybe different terminology now. This was like maybe 10 years ago. So to me, I think she's kind of like the first drag queen on film, really. I see interesting. that. And I, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, rip on her as a performer. It's just, I, you know, I just wanted her to kind of throw her shoulders back a little bit more and kind of strut. You wanted the same Mae West that you were seeing in the scenes to come out yeah, on stage. Exactly. It felt like there was a disconnect there, but that's it. She did look great. I mean, she had a very unique, um, specific style and like, she's interesting. She's interesting. Her outfits and her diamonds at the time are probably doing a lot of work for her. The diamonds too. were a lot. You know, yeah. the fact that she's just like covered in diamonds and in, in what's told at one point uh, in the movie to be worth about half a million dollars <laughs> worth of halfway there may um you know like that's like yeah all these men are just like looking at this like woman who like very openly likes to have sex and is covered in diamonds things haven't heightened to the level that they're at now i'm asking too much no her. i think your point is completely valid i mean i like I, i'm not gonna lie and say that i was enthralled by the musical numbers like it was exactly <laughs> as you described it she comes out and just sort of stands there and is like i just found out i've got a million dollars in my hair and you're like okay yeah <laughs> you know but at the time i'm sure everybody was like this is have you seen this what she does totally She's wearing the dress and uh, she's on the stage it, like even like the advertisement there's like an ad behind her for like i don't know some product hair product or something and the tagline under it is just our lou wears them oh it's wow like, yeah that's just like I, I want that kind of advertising to come back where they like they don't do like a whole like clever spot they're just like you know like she wears it there's like aaron judge wears this shirt okay can you buy it, please? He wears it. Look, you don't need a picture. He wears it. He's worn it before. <laughs> We're telling you he wears it. What more do you need? 
<laughs> also, Lauren, you reminded me that's like the thing from Rent too, where like the musical Rent is fun. And then when you listen to Roger's song that he writes and when you see Mark's movie that he makes and it's supposed to be like their grand masterpieces in the musical and you're like, well, I don't know about that. Sure. I don't know. If that's that great. So yeah, it's like the yeah. letdown of the actual, the art that the artist is supposed to be creating, not being as good as like the the fictional art that they're in. Yes, totally. But yes, the advertising here was quite fun. Although when that man is out there with his terrible haircut and his handlebar mustache singing, I, I wish that he had some support too, some brand support. I don't think he had any. Yeah, he sounded great. Loved his voice. He's the star of this film. Arguably. Yeah. He the is. best was when they, they cut to like a woman in the audience and she like winks at him. But it's like, there's so much funny about that. Like, first of all, she's like, hello, handsome to this guy who like looks like he just stepped out of uh, the Monty Python find the fish sketch. And the husband's like, uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. You're not going to get any of that. Where's the woman in the diamonds that I came here to see? You know, that was the 90s. But the part that I liked was when the man was sobbing over the man's performance and the wife was looking out for him and she goes not in your beer dearie not in your beer and she moves the beer mm-hmm. out of the way so he won't cry into it we only brought yeah. so many nickels we only brought so yeah. many nickels but the food is free that's a great thing about the 90s that you could go to a bar and there's Wait, free food everywhere you just eat was it. was that a thing i was like why is there a buffet with like hard-boiled eggs that was yes that was a legit thing <laughs> they'd have meats sitting out all day. All day. For you to just eat meats and pretzels. Under a picture of naked Mae West. Under a picture of naked Mae West. What more could you want? I love when she's like, why'd you hang it over the free lunch? Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, yeah. she's like, yeah, it's a nice picture. I don't understand what it's doing over the free lunch. Why is it <laughs> over the hard boiled eggs? Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to shout out that women were in that establishment because at this time it could have been just men. Yeah. But no, women were in there drinking too. Little old ladies were in there drinking too. I really liked that a lot. That was cool. We love that. And That's they were there to see Lou. Everybody was there to see Lou. Everybody yeah. loves Lou. I would have watched that TV show more than I would have watched Everybody Loves Raymond. I yeah. would have watched Everybody Loves Lou. Everybody loves mm. Lou. Well, you could have just watched I Love Lou C. <laughs> okay. You know, you're halfway there. Mm, maybe you want to cut that one, Sarah. No, don't cut that one. It's fine. I want to do that joke again, but I want to wear diamonds while I say it. Then it'll land. I like at the end, though, that she had all those diamonds and she traded it for the small, normal Cary Grant diamond. Yeah. Another note about that ring he gave her. To me, not sufficient. It's like, does he not know her? He clearly doesn't know her. If he thinks that's the ring. He's turning her into an honest woman. He's going to make an honest woman. An honest woman can't still be dripping in diamonds. Absolutely not. What does he say to her? Like, these diamonds don't have a soul or something like. The diamonds, the extravagant wealth is a part of what's dragged her into this, you know, underworld lifestyle. No, no, they those all got to go. So you think that shitty ring was like a symbol of her becoming like moving away from loving diamonds and instead loving what really matters, a man? I do. Of course. I do. Yes, I think definitely. that was her her character arc. I think her character yeah. arc was like, I love diamonds. I'll do anything for them. And then like she found love and like maybe a deeper purpose. And was like, oh, I'm going to give up the the diamonds for this new life where, you know, I'm not involved in a counterfeiting ring. Nice that she has the option, considering the massive stack of crimes she's committed. Can we please go over the crimes? Because I, I yes. have seen this movie several times and I'm still confused about what all the crimes are. 
Uh, it yeah. seemed like there was counterfeiting going on. So Gus Jordan's crimes first. The, the owner of the saloon has a bunch of crimes so he can afford to keep Lady Lou in diamonds. And also her original boyfriend, Chick, got caught stealing diamonds that he gave to her and she never gave back to the police and it's fine. Can I also say I, I had another, you know how I, I, I've i had this issue before, with black, especially with black and white movies, but I have it even in modern day where every man, I can't tell the difference between men Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. this was happening to me a lot in this movie where I was like, wait, is one man committing all these crimes? And ha I had to really take time to be like, which man is which and who's doing what? I think that's fair. I think that's fair because some of these men don't even need to be in the movie. Right. Do they purposely have a shot where two of them are supposed to look the same? So it's like the guy that yes. owns the saloon with his vest and he's holding his pants a certain way and he's got his mustache. And then the guy that wants to take all that from him and have Lady Lou be his, he's doing the exact same thing and they're mere images of each other. So I was like, no, you're really showing us that this is like basically the same person and they will do anything yeah corrupt if if they can just sleep with lady lou that's kind of what's happening if she'd be their lady i'm sorry you can get back to the crimes i just had to specify. but there's just i was very confused because i was like wait i think what's happening this is my original thought because sally our friend sally comes in to the saloon and she is going to kill herself because she's presumably pregnant right i think she's with child is that what it was i think so did they say okay. that okay I was a little confused. Well, because they say it takes two to get one in trouble. I think that's what May says. So I was like, either one, she had sex with someone, feels bad about it and wants to die. But what would make more sense to me if it's the 1890s and you accidentally got pregnant by a married man and oh. you didn't have like access to, you know, abortion, a safe abortion, you, you know, you might feel like my yeah, life is over. That was a real problem back in the 1890s. Fortunately, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. But, um, it's all settled now. Yeah. Fortunately, that's squared away. But I thought that didn't didn't they kind of like sell her into like. So this is what I was worried. OK, this, so this the other I was confused. This is the other crime. So you get the sense that because they're like. May West says to the two people that are like, you know, the brothel owners. Was it Rita and Sergey? Was Rita and Sergey? She says it to Rita and Gus, but Sergey is presumably there involved as well. He's the boyfriend. Yes, right. yes. So Gus is in business with Russian Rita, is what they call her. She's Rita, yeah. and her boyfriend Sergey. I've noticed that they were both immigrants, and I was like, "What's that saying?" Yikes. Anyway, Oof. um, yeah, this movie is good, but I guess the white guy is doing something wrong too. So you know, anyway. Yeah, it holds up for sure. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so when May says to them, ah, she just, you know, a, a guy did her wrong. The old story, tale as old as time, whatever. I think in their brains that they're like, oh, she's she is loose. She has loose morals. She'd be perfect for our prostitution ring slash brothel that we force women to be in. But then it sounded like at the end of the movie, they had a pickpocket ring of women yes they were doing both okay i guess you can do both one yes. can be forced into being a sex worker and a pickpocket oh <laughs> no that's a terrible crime far worse than counterfeiting whoa well so they did a lot of crimes and deservedly get punished for them and she was on board with like all this stuff right i mean no because right? she didn't know she didn't know that okay. they had that. Yeah, that but she also brothel. stabbed someone. So she's, you know, she's also doing us a bunch of stuff. And she's taking all the diamonds. She's, I mean, she doesn't think that Gus is out there like working on Wall Street, you know, doing right. honest work. True. Uh, <laughs> True. You know, I think her attitude is like, them. if I don't know, it doesn't matter. And so you get the sense Classic. that, yeah. you know, the more she knows, because doesn't Cary Grant say that to her? Isn't there someone that's like, how do you think those people got those diamonds? Wasn't there a line yeah, like that maybe. in the film? Mm. 
It's possible. She's an old-timey Erica Jane. If anyone follows Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you actually, she is an old-timey Erica Jane, or Erica Jane is a contemporary Mae West, because Erica Jane is is a, a facade and, like, a persona that Erica Girardi puts on. Um, and she very much had that, like, blonde bombshell, like, like character persona. But anyway, she was, like, very, very wealthy and... Her husband, like they had all this money and like all these houses and all these riches. And it came out that he was like embezzling all this money. And people were like, didn't you question where all these gifts and things and private jets were coming from? And she was like, no. Oh, and you perfectly circled back to another point that I like hadn't thought of before, but thought of this time where in the movie, Mae West has that quote of like, he done her wrong, tale as old as time, like what you just said. And so this movie is called She Done Him Wrong. It like flips the script oh. literally. And I guess you could argue that she did chick wrong and she did, you know, I don't think she really did anybody wrong. I think they all made their own choices. Yeah, he seems like a good guy. <laughs> she did read a wrong he accidentally. Of all the guys, she did do read a wrong. People at home, it does need to be said in case you did not see the movie, Mae West you know, accidentally kills somebody. Rita attacks her because Rita finds out that Sergey is really into Mae West and has given her, you know, the diamond pin that Rita owned. More diamonds. More diamonds. And uh, she pulls out a knife and goes to attack Mae West and like trips on a rug and and Mae West has the knife and it stabs her and she dies. Yeah, you're making it sound confusing. It was very clear what happened. (laughs) She had the knife and then Mae West had the knife and then there was a slipsy whoopsie and then she was immediately dead. That And that ha- that sort of thing happens. Immediately dead, yes. <laughs> and like, also it was so funny because they cut to this like insert of Mae because she comes at Mae first with the knife, right? Yes, And yes. then- So it was self-defense. There's this kind of close-up insert of like then Mae biting Rita's hand and it's so the action is so slow. It's like comical. And I don't know if it was just, again, like kind of old time, like they just needed to get that shot. So they were being really kind of methodical about it. But the action of Re- of May biting Rita's hand is the slowest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, this that woman could have gotten away. She had five minutes to get away from that. It was a very slow struggle. It was yeah. uh, clearly, you know, two women who stage combat was not uh, not their top skill. I mean, it was in there to show that she's a different kind of fighter who doesn't play by the rules, you know? Love that. Because how often do you see in, you know, people, someone bite someone else in a fight? How often does that happen? It's very creative. But I agree. It was as though her hand was a corn cob and she lingered a long time. To stick up for it, there is a lot of stuff like that, Sarah, like what you just said about like showing that she doesn't play by the rules, like a woman doing that. The fact that this is based on a play that she wrote. Yeah. Like it's kind of remarkable considering this came out in, in 1933, right? It's cool. I mean, like that. Yeah, she was you know, a boss. She's front and center. Everybody's falling over her. She's like running them. I mean, you think about like the amount of stuff that this paved the way for. And it is kind of amazing. And and by the way, she yeah, she is hilarious. Like she is like her own sort of uh, I mean, you know, vaudeville, obviously, she reminded me like the Marx Brothers. I mean, she's got yeah. her own quips. She's got her own act. And uh, I, you have to imagine that as a woman making that happen at this time had to be next to impossible. Um, 
So I definitely have like a lot of respect for like the like existence of this movie and the fact that it was made, even it wasn't necessarily. And I did enjoy it to an extent. There were parts of it I enjoyed. Okay, Dan, you're making me look like an asshole. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to like rip on this or like, you know, tell her she's like girl bossing too hard. She's amazing and also a girl boss. And But I understand that for the time, these things are like groundbreaking and very cool and it was a very fun movie. I did enjoy it. I'm I'm poking fun at it with love. I actually did enjoy this. We can sense that. We can tell. Yeah, everyone's picking I up hope on so. that. I just felt like I wanted to say some, something nice about it because it's very easy, especially for me, it felt very easy to go into like immediately ragging on this movie because in a lot of ways it is very <laughs> stupid. But I did. I just wanted to take a second to recognize that obviously, I mean, look, I, I watched this on the Criterion Collection. This on on their their streaming service they they have it on there you know there's, there's a there's a reason that the film uh, is looked at as a as a classic uh, in in film history and and that's now I want to go back to ripping on it because it was also really dumb so I, <laughs> I still want, I don't want to stop doing that before we go back to like I have that written down of like let's talk about the tone and writing of the piece which we will do but I also want to shout out the fact that Mae West is doing this this is one of her first movies and she is forty years old oh right? hell yeah in yeah. this day and age. In 1933, you do not have an ingenue that is 40 years old, that is like, that is sexual, that is, she's a sex symbol, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of unheard of. And Daniel mentioned she wrote this piece. It says she is top billing. And then it says by Mae West because she wrote the play. And she had a history before this of writing, producing and directing her own plays on Broadway and off Broadway. But that's amazing. Wow. I mean, that's, that's major. Wild. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. And Cary Grant is Cary Grant is 29. Yeah. yeah. I looked that up. Get it? I was like, when they were on screen together, yeah, I was like, she's gotta be. And I looked it up. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's good for her. And one could argue, I mean, Cary Grant is very sexy, but do we think Cary Grant is sexy because he started off with Mae West? Question mark? Maybe. Or is he just sexy? He might just be sexy. He looks like every other, I can't answer that. He looks like every other man. I really, like, I couldn't, if I tried to picture Cary Grant right now, and I know he's very famous, I couldn't tell you what he looks like. He just turns into Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, Yeah, kind of. No, that's not true. You're both wrong. I'm sorry, you're both wrong. And I can tell that you're both wrong because I'm attracted to Cary Grant and I'm not attracted to Jimmy Stewart. And that's how I know that it's, that you're wrong. Wow, okay. Okay, but I am right. He has brown hair and a face. He does have brown hair. Yeah, he has a face, brown hair. Sometimes he's a little too tan, like an orangey tan. And you go, that's too mm. much. Mm. Okay. Carrie, come on. Carrie, lay Pull off. Back. Pull it back, Hawk. I did really love the looks in this. I wish I wish we could see it in color because I'm sure those dresses just looked amazing. Loved the looks. The sparkles were popping off the screen, yes. like blindingly so sometimes. Yeah. You'd be like, ooh, Edith Head designed the costumes, famous costume designer. She did yes. this piece. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I really liked. I was, we were talking about before when Rita gets killed. I was just gonna say I really liked when um, Rita's like, "Give me that back. That's my pin." And then Mae West is like, "Yeah, I got a billion of these. I was. I don't even care. I wasn't gonna keep it, but now I am gonna keep it. It's gonna be like my favorite one." And shut up. <laughs> and she's very clear. She's like, "Cause you asked rudely," and I was like, "Yes, you can teach her a lesson right now. Please wow. teach this terrible person a lesson." That was really yeah. funny. Well, that's a trope of Mae West movies. Like Mae West will always come out on top and she champions the little person. So what's cool about this movie in general, we'll get to the not cool things too, is that um, 
she she's really funny, right? She has all these really great, quick, witty, comedic lines, but she also gives quick, witty, comedic lines to other people and all working class people. Like nobody in a position of power says anything funny besides her. Mm. <laughs> all the people that have really funny lines are all people that are working in the bar or are patrons of the bar. Um, interesting. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's that's interesting to note. She's very like working class. Um, and, and she, yeah, she, she's of the people. She helps out the little guy and she knows everybody Mm. in prison. You know, those are her friends. Right. Yeah. They all knew her. He's not too good for them. I really liked, um, the, I, the, I don't, I'm blanking on the actor's name. Owen something, the guy who played, uh, chick. Owen Moore is his name. Owen Moore. Yeah. I really liked that. He made the choice to always have just sort of like a loose fist. The claw hands kind of. Like he's just always like, yeah, kind of like this. Like, honestly, it did work for me because it was unnerving. And I haven't seen, I, I mean, I haven't seen any of his other work. Maybe that's just how he plays every character. But, like, if it was a choice, there was really something about him just sort of always having a limp, loose fist that made me very uncomfortable. I was like, I don't know what this guy's capable of. <laughs> he seems really I didn't weird. notice that. It gave you the sense that something had gone wrong in his last heist or in jail. And now he's, like, slightly... He's dealing with some sort of slight, like, how do you put that? What is it called? It's like an ailment that will never be cured, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I is think that that's, what yeah, that there is. You, go. you said it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's what it is, an ailment that will never be cured. Yeah. yeah. And, but he, like, maybe got it on the job or something. Like, it's like yeah. one of those, like, I hurt my hand in on my robbery. Yeah, he seemed really defeated. <laughs> he did. And, and dangerous. Very dangerous. The no one can have you unless I can have you sentiment. That idea is pretty uh, scary. Yeah, That's I'll hard. kill you. Yeah, if you, if you ever go with anybody else, I'll kill you. I don't know. Yeah, he was, I liked his performance a lot. He was a frightening guy. They all were. All of the men besides Cary Grant and maybe even Cary Grant because he does kill somebody and is totally cool. He's cool as a cucumber after he shoots somebody. Yeah, wait, who does he kill? He kills Chick. That's what I thought. But then I thought I saw Chick getting thrown into the wagon. Wait, Chick did get thrown into the wagon. I'm pretty sure Chick got thrown into the wagon. So Chick doesn't die. He just just gets gets shot. shot. Yeah. Maybe now. So now he has, maybe he was shot in both of his hands. Now maybe he's shot in his leg. So in the next movie, he'll also have like a limp and he'll slowly becoming like an Igor type of character. He seemed fine though. He seemed fine when he went into the wagon. He was like, ah, I got, they got me. And then just like walked in. I was like, oh, what did get shot in his the like his elbow, his earlobe? I don't know. In the code movies, everybody, if you do something wrong, you have to pay for that crime. But this was pre-code, so you do not have to pay for that crime yet. And you can still be sexy. I mean, there are a lot of double entendres. I know that Mae West was like a queen of controversy and a lot of her scripts had to be changed and people were worried about the emphasis she put on certain things because she could make like anything sound sexual. Wow. So here's a little bit about Mae West, and she was pretty cool. Um, She was born in 1893 in Brooklyn. She was a vaudeville performer starting at age 14, and she performed under the stage name Baby Mae. Um, She got a big break at 18 when she was in like a musical review, and the New York Times specifically singled her out and called her snappy. Wow. And then in 1926, she had her first starring role on Broadway in a play that was called Sex. And she wrote and directed and produced it. And her and the entire cast were arrested on morals charges. Um, (gasps) 
And they could have paid a fine to like get out of it, but she was like, no, this publicity is too good. So she went to jail. (laughs) Um, How tame do you think that, like they probably just like brought a banana on stage at one point. Shut the theater down. The Kris Jenner of the 1920s, who's like all press is good press. I'm glad you brought in why, because I didn't know why. I really don't know our modern world very well. So thank you for letting me know what people today would say. I'm here for you. It's helpful for me too. I have no idea what's going on. So yeah, there is that. I know like she ends up coming to Hollywood. What's cool is that they still let her write her own stuff. Like they had other screenwriters for this piece, but it's adapted from her own work and she writes her own comebacks and writes her own lines. Um, And they're arguably the best thing about the picture. She's so funny and so witty and quick and smart. Um, Also... She's a supporter of gay rights and she writes a play. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was about like gay people or had gay characters in it. And she was not allowed to perform it. It got banned. Um, But I don't know how like gay rights she would be considered today because I think she still like said some not acceptable shit. But I think she was kind of like, I think you should be able to do whatever you want behind closed doors in your own bedroom. Like it should not Mm. be a crime. Sex should not be a crime. He's a a quarter of the way there. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, right. She was like, she's not very liberal. progressive. Yeah, for the time. Like, not for yeah. today, but for we'll the time. We'll grade her on a curve. We'll grade her on a curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, so eventually she achieves superstardom. Her play Diamond Lil was a huge hit on Broadway, and that was in 1928. Obviously, they adapt it for the screen. It is this picture, and it, like, cements her persona and her image. And, like, this is the Mae West image from now on. She's going to do this character in every movie, and um, that's how it's going to be. Uh, and she's she's a big star. She was the second highest paid person in the United States in 1933 and the oh. highest paid woman because um, of her Get two it. big hit movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was, who um, was number one ahead of her? A man, I'm assuming. But yeah, it was a man. It was William Randolph Hearst, the newspaper giant. Oh, he made thirty thousand dollars that. So not even the highest paid actor. You mean the highest paid person in general person in general? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Good for her. Um, So yeah. And then I don't know a lot about her, like her personal life. She had a ton of relationships. I know her last relationship, she was 30 years his senior. um, And he was more like a caretaker kind of person. But I don't know. I do know. Oh my God. I got this biography of her at um, like a a used bookstore. But the people who wrote it clearly hate her. So I had to stop reading it because they were so judgmental and so rude about her that I was like, I don't, I don't want to even read what you have to say about her. No, no, thank you. And that's coming from a librarian people. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So so stay away from that book. Uh huh. There's a reason it's out of print. Just saying. It was written by two straight white men who had some shitty things to say. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. calling her a narcissist and she didn't want to have kids. And they were like, isn't that terrible? I'm like, no, I think she's allowed to choose. Oh my God. Iconic. So did she never have kids? She she never had kids. She's my new idol. She's like getting her money, not having kids. She, they were calling her narcissistic. And I was like, oh, she sounds like a lot of men of the time. So it sounds like you just don't like her because she's a woman. That's historically to to make it in this industry. You have to be extremely altruistic. And uh, the people (laughs) who climb the ladder of success are often noted for their unending <laughs> kindness and uh yes and generosity lack of yeah. self-centeredness yeah, yeah. Exactly. yes yeah. yeah well they're all known as being extremely giving so it's what a, she's an outlier uh obviously and that's yeah I'm, graceful to hear 
She's famously Hollywood's only narcissist. Yes, yes. (laughs) That was the Mae West IRL portion of this podcast. Would you like to really get into the tone and writing of this piece? Um, Because it's very blunt. They they really tell you what to think at all times. Mm -hmm. They're like, Lil's the best. And she is. And they're like, this guy's not so good. And he's not. You know? Yeah. Very soapy. The only secret that they hold is the hawk. Yeah. They're like, somebody's the hawk. And then the reveal on that, I felt, was very weak. I mean, maybe it was like a, audiences at the time would pick it up, but the reveal is just that all of a sudden he's in, like, talking to a judge or whatever, or, you know, district attorney or whatever, and he, it's him doing it. But you could think, you could still think that maybe he was just doing it as a the missionary guy whatever he is i was like thumbing through like the wikipedia entry about this movie while i was watching it so unfortunately i had that spoiled for me but i kind of wondered oh. like yeah i kind of wondered like if i'd actually been like i think i would have been confused i think i would have been like wait what's he, he he's got to get back to the mission oh he's the guy oh okay the only time you're really sure too is at the end when he comes in in a real suit and right. you're like see different costume different person somebody even says it someone's like i think it's may west is like oh so you're the hawk huh yeah and he's like yeah i am and, and he's like, like yep oh well don't don't look around here too hot there's a bunch of stuff from one of my crimes and he's like you got to come out here with me and she's like all right I'll, like, where's my rap and they give her the rap and then she's like you don't want to put me in the wagon he's like no nah, i'm gonna marry your ass and she's like, yeah oh yeah of course yeah this movie did what like one of the things that a lot of old movies did, I feel like. And I've, I think I've actually brought this up on this show before because I love it so much. Where you look at the runtime and there's like 15 minutes left and like 30 open storylines. And you just slowly realize you're like, they're just, they're not going to close any of them, are they? They're just going to, in like two lines, be like, and that solved the issue. And then someone's going to get married and that's the end of the movie. Like, she literally murders a person. It's manslaughter, but like, she kills a woman. And then just calls up a guy and is like, can you take care of the body? And he's like, yeah, of course. You kidding me? No problem. No one is ever, no one will ever know that this happened. Right. Well, and if they did find out, they could attribute it to Chick or Gus. Yeah. They're not thinking that far, though. True. Also, though, you you do got to take a second to just say one of the best names in cinema history. I'm talking, of course, about Spider Kane. Come on. What a great name. Man, they got some great names back then. Great name, great character. Solid shout out to Spider. Yes. Loved him. Was Spider announced in the beginning, the opening bows? I don't remember. I also black out during the opening bows, just like Daniel does. Because I'm like, I don't I don't care yet. Tell me later. Yeah, because like it's like none of the names really sink in because you're like, I don't know who these people are yet. But the when the young woman comes to um end her life in the bar and she's like in the bathroom starting to drink something and that man like goes and stops her and is like spider spider until i realized that was someone's name i was like did he think there was a spider in the bathroom and tried to kill it but instead ended up knocking her out i like was so confused why he was yelling about a spider and then i was like oh that's someone's name so just want to let you know what my journey was like oh my god you just unfolded something in my brain that I never realized before. What? Spider's first line is about killing a fly. Yeah. Because that's what spiders do, right? They catch flies in their web. Because the first time we see Spider on screen, he's like coming out of the back. And the guy that's like eating all the food is like, I have to complain. There are so many flies in this place. And he's like, show me which one you don't like and I'll kill it for you. Right? Yes. Whoa. Maybe that's not his first line. 
I don't know, but still, I think that might have been his first early. Line. Yeah, I didn't realize in that moment that his name was Spider, so it was lost on me. But now I it see. was lost on me till right now, and I've seen this movie several times. So there you go. Wow. Also, he's cool because he so he gets a joke right in the beginning, so we know we're supposed to like him. But then also, he always has May West's back all the time. Mm-hmm. He's like. I heard about this dangerous situation. You, you know, chick, chick needs to see you because he's he might do something crazy. Yeah, uh, he might try to break out of jail, and so he takes her to see chick, and it doesn't work. Chick does break out of jail, but he's the first one to tell her. He always knows what's going on. He always has her back. He would even bury a body for her. He literally made a, a oh, yeah. human body disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's commitment. Hawk's not even gonna look. No, that's <laughs> nah, okay. It's clean slate from here on out. Whatever you did back then, what are you so worried about it for? Not a big deal. Put this ring on. I want to hold your hand. I can hold my own hand or whatever she says. Yeah. That wasn't the joke. No, you love that. No, but you love that too because it's like right up until the last seconds of this movie, they have a contentious relationship. And then he puts the ring on. She's like, actually, never mind. It's okay. It's fine with me. And then everyone leaves the theater and they're like, that's a relationship. That's how it works. They know a lot about each other and they're starting with a really firm foundation. Mm-hmm. I will say though, another thing I noticed this time is remember how she's wearing that dress that has like those diamonds across her chest that kind of look like birds. She has bird diamonds and she's going to marry the hawk. Oh, that's neat. Foreshadowing. Wow. Yeah, foreshadowing with costume. So check that yeah. out. I guess Mae West is pretty cool. Yeah, she's pretty cool. We're all learning a lot. <laughs> now that you say it. I, I also will say, I think that the stuff with Cary Grant too, she's always doing that push pull with him where she like wants to lure him in and then he like tries to kiss her and she's like, no. So for me, for her, it's like a foreplay sexual tension kind of thing. She's always like in constant foreplay with everybody. That's why she likes him so much too, right? Because she tries to kiss him and he's like, Mm-mm, no, no, no. I'm not gonna, not, no, no, no. I'm not gonna do that. Oh, and then the mission in the beginning, we see they're playing the tuba. And I thought, is that what was so great about the 90s too? People were just on the street with the tuba. Yeah, you don't see that as much anymore. We need to bring that back. Tubas, little monkeys that are doing tricks just for people. Normalize tuba, guys. You know, get them back out there. Get them back out there. Come on. Get them back out there. And their little mission caps. That's the only way it works, I think. Oh, one more thing I wanted to say is I like that they mirrored the building, the anticipation of Lou in the beginning with her building anticipation sexually with men. I like that that was like a theme throughout. And then she even had that song, I'm a fast moving gal who likes them slow. So I think that's like a constant throughout the movie of just like, I am all about Hello. anticipation. <laughs> yeah. Or just, I like dumb men. That too. <laughs> yeah, that too. She did, she did have some pretty dumb dudes hanging around. Let's talk about the quotes that we like. Do you want to share some quotes that you liked? I have a couple that okay. I wrote down. There was a quote that I liked when she's talking to the guy that I think owns the mission. And she's like, how much is it worth? And he was like, and he said, how much if I'm selling it or how much if I'm paying taxes? And I went, oh, uh-oh. I, I really enjoyed that little fun, uh, mild tax fraud joke. What was his name? Uh, Jacobson. It was really uncomfortable. It was like, ah, a Jewish person. Yeah, his name was Ike Jacobson. And he came in. I was like, oh, I was like, I know what this oh is. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even put that together. He speaks Yiddish. Gavalt. Oh, he my says, God. Like, now I'm ashamed. I'm... <laughs> Wait, see, this is how this is how not tuned into any male character I am. Where like he came on, I was like, okay, cool, this guy. I was totally tuned out until he made that funny quip about like 
about that now, but now I realize that was probably an anti-Semitic joke. Yeah. The I'm whole thing so was an anti-Semitic. The whole His thing whole was anti-Semitic. I thought he was just like a nice guy who was going like, we're all trying to screw the government. Like, that's kind of how I thought it was. Is it terrible uh, that I was like, oh, cool, a Jewish person? <laughs> like, that was my first response when he came out. Representation. Yeah, I was like, I think this is like a Jewish guy. And then as he was talking, I was like, oh, I think this is like a, I think it's like a stereotype of a Jewish guy. <sighs> yeah. And then I was like, but it could have been worse <laughs> when he left. That's so yeah. I was like, that could have been worse. We get two Jewish characters in that movie. And the first time we see a Jewish person, there's like Jewish music in the background. It's like klezmer music. And you're like, oh, no. That's the thing. Like, I picked up on that part from the from the montage, from the TikTok in the beginning. Instantly picked up on that and was like, oh, OK, wow. And just saw this character and was like, he's funny. And didn't think anything more of it. Well, what's also funny is that Mae West had been trying to be progressive in general. Like they talk about how she purposely cast uh, Louise Beavers in this film because she wanted like a black person to be in the film. But then at the same time, it's a super racist part and she treats her in a racist way. So it's like, I think there was that thing like we talked about earlier where like 30s being progressive was like, ah, I have a Jewish person and a black person in my movie. But then I don't treat them well. But we're not thinking about that. Like, look how progressive I am. But it's like both both characters are treated pretty, pretty roughly. Yes. Interestingly, my like radar went off like immediately when he came in. Because I was like, oh, I think, I think. But it wasn't until <laughs> Oiga Vault that I was like, now I'm sure. Okay. Did he say Oiga Vault before the thing that I thought was funny or after? After. It was in the middle of the scene. Well, it's like when he gets up, before he gets up. Okay, you know what, guys? I literally might have been like writing down because I took notes. So I literally might have been writing down the joke and been like, this guy's so funny and totally missed that it was a completely offensive characterization. It maybe wasn't like the greatest portrayal of a Jewish person um, on screen in, in the history of American film. Uh, but as I said before, it could have been way worse. He got a few jokes in there. They were certainly uh, grounded in his ethnicity. But she did do business with him, you know, yeah. so it's not, you know, she did business with him and they both trust each other that they will each uh, come through on the deal. You know, the deal went through. They're going to be fair about it. To me, he seemed like a likable character, which which maybe was why my alarm bells didn't go off. But maybe that's just because I thought he looked like a nice man. You know what? I actually I agree with that. I mean, I, I recognize that this was a mildly cartoonish portrayal of a Jewish person, but he was not. It didn't feel like an overly aggressively anti-Semitic portrayal to me, considering the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I actually, I kind of came way liking him too. Um, okay, I'm so sorry. We can move on. And by the way, all of us are allowed to say this. But if any of my non-Jewish friends see this movie and say something like that part was funny, lose my number. I don't ever want to <laughs> hear from you again. How? A, what an incredibly yeah. offensive thing to say. So absolutely make a note of that, you know, keep it to yourself. Good Lord, you people (laughs) stuff like that, but it's fine. But for us, it's fine. Yeah. I'm going to move us along to more quotes. Daniel, did you have any quotes? (laughs) I had two that I liked. Um, Great. What are they? I didn't write this one down word for word. Maybe you guys can help me remember what what it was, but it was right after the, uh, the young woman tried to take the pills in the bathroom. There's like a woman who says like, Oh, trying to like bump herself. Like imagine like trying to bump yourself here. Then the other, like the piano player goes like, no, no, she come to the right place. All right. <laughs> that line um, was really funny. Oh, yes. I forgot to say I really liked that piano player who was just over everything. He was great. He was great. Here's one of the best piano players lines. 
there's a woman that comes in who is singing along with the piano and she goes, ever since I sang that song, it's been haunting me. And then he yes. says, it should have. You murdered it. Yes. I laughed out loud on that. That was funny. I'm so glad you highlighted that quote because I thought that was a funny quote, too. I like the piano player in general because he was just uh, in such a bad mood. And that was right off the bat. And I I did LOL at that line where he was like, yeah, you killed it. There was a little part of me, too, though, that was like, oh, this this would have been like the queer character call out. I felt like in other movies, mm-hmm. if they were going to like insert a queer character and have like an overly for the time, like overly femme male, it would have been that part. And that was what I was thinking when he was there. And I would have liked to have seen a movie with the piano player and Mae West just like setting up shop somewhere, you know? Yeah, he sort of got phased out kind of quickly, right? He sort of Yeah, Yeah, he did. Much like the murder plot, he sort of got phased out, you know? Yeah, you don't want to get too attached to any storyline in this movie. Well, you don't really have time to. No, you don't. I did have a quote that I liked in the movie. Uh, This is one of (laughs) Mae West's first lines in the movie. I thought it was her funniest line in the whole movie when she's being, I don't know, she's being introduced to somebody and they say, oh, I've heard so much about you. And she goes, yeah, but you can't prove it. I love that. Yes. So I think that was her first joke. And, you know, tough to lead with that one, because I did think that was the funniest joke in the, in the whole movie. That was so quick. You love it. You love it so, so fast, you know? One that was similar that I liked, but that was at the end of the movie. There was a... The, Cary Grant says to her, haven't you ever met a man that could make you happy? And she says, sure, lots of times. You're like, yeah, she's been yeah, happy yeah. lots of times love with it. a man. Love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We get it. Um, Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's the famous quote that I do need to say just because it's very famous. So she's with Cary Grant and she says, I always did like a man in a uniform and that one fits you grand. Why don't you come up sometime? See me. Um, Which would eventually, you know, morph into, why don't you come up and see me sometime? And I'm no angel, which is like her most famous Mae West quote. Like if people are impersonating Mae West, that's what they say. So that's like that all started here in this very film. And that was the moment. So I had to call it out. Yeah, that's a big one. There was one more. Oh, one of my favorite lines, too, is. When women go wrong, men go right after them. And I was like, ooh, that's sassy. That was ooh. fun. That was a good play on words. Those are good quotes. So yeah, she's just she's just a really clever lady. Um, and then, you know, all the stuff in the gay 90s in the beginning was great. I did mark down another great quote that Spider, I think, says, or somebody says, there's the guy eating all the free lunch. And he, the person that talks to him goes, free lunch is meant to be at and not stored for the winter. And I went, there's so much I like about that. I love that you said et. I love that you're making fun of this man who's stuffing his face. I just liked so many things about it. I really enjoyed it. Those are great quotes. Those are all really good quotes. Okay, so I'm going to keep going with the modern lens portion. Um, First of all, maybe let's call out what doesn't work first and then what does work, because some stuff is cool in the modern lens. Like the fact that there are jokes in here that still resonate because the comedy lasted is pretty cool because this movie is yeah. almost 100 years old and comedy doesn't typically keep very well. But anyway, so let's talk about what didn't hold up. Obviously, the stereotypes for Jewish people, the two Jewish characters, the playing mm-hmm. of the klezmer music, them being like business people that are trying to screw you over. None of that's cool. Um, yeah. The way they treated black people in this film, really not cool. There was a slur at one point, not not the the worst slur that is the biggest slur of all the slurs. Thank goodness that wasn't there. But um, yeah, they do call her a name that you're like, ouch, please don't do that. Um, so none of that's okay. 
And I feel like they're using progressiveness almost as a means like they're by saying that she's nice to her servant, her black servant person, that she's not mm-hmm. a monster. And I'm like, ooh, let's not let's not go there. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, yeah she wasn't even that nice to her. I mean, I, I this sort <laughs> no. of stuff like it, it just it's really tough. It's tough to go yeah. back and watch. We had the same thing. And uh, was it the Palm Beach Yes, the Palm Beach story. Yeah, yeah. Palm Beach story where like Claudette Colbert, like everybody loves her. She's super likable. And then she gets on the train and has to deal with like the black people who work there. And it's just immediately like drops all that and is just rude. Like it does make it real tough when that's it's just sort of stomach turning. And the characterization of like, yeah, Mae West treated her like a servant. And the characterization of the black servant or black maid who's also just like just so happy to yeah. be there and be treated like that, which is incredibly problematic and awful. Um, so that was hard. That was hard to watch. Didn't like it. It like makes you stop. It like takes you out of everything because you're like, oh, yes. I feel sick. Like, yes. Um, so yeah, all of those instances really sucked. Also, this is not the same thing, but I noticed in the beginning this time. So I mentioned like there was the monkey playing earlier and then there was the horse that was there. And I, mm-hmm. I now whenever I watch movies from the past, I always think of like how the animals were treated because like Charge of the Light Brigade, they were like oh, killing all those yes. horses and stuff. So oh. if you look, the horse is having a freaking panic attack. The horse is like crazy panting. And mm-hmm. I just like noticed it in the background. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm stressed out. So that I, you know, totally different from like racism and anti-Semitism. Something that doesn't hold up is like treatment of animals in film. And um, yeah, so I was yeah. noticing that that horse looked real stressed out and I was worried for it. And I was worried for that monkey. <laughs> That's a very yeah. valid point. Been an issue in Hollywood for a long time. It's like, uh, yeah, of course, not the same issues whatsoever, but it does speak to this general problem that has been rampant in our country, but also Hollywood forever, which is just like the mistreatment of anyone that is not a white man, essentially. A mistreatment of anyone that is considered less than. You know, and I'll just say again that fortunately, no longer a problem. And yeah, thankfully, it's all solved. No longer an issue. And um, it's a perfect industry now, which is great. It's a PI. Perfect <laughs> industry. Perfect industry. <laughs> um. So now that we've named all like the stuff that did not hold up, or most, I mean, there's probably more, but some of the stuff that didn't hold up, um, some things that do hold up that are cool, um, is the stance on sex and sex positivity. That's cool. Mm. Like the non-judgment around sex. Um, like when Mae West finds out, you know, oh, is there a man at the root of the problem? You know, it takes it takes two to make one in trouble or whatever she says. Um, but the fact that she's not like judging or shunning this woman who had sex like someone else might have done. She's like, yeah, that's, you know, just pick a better one next time that doesn't treat you like crap. OK. And then immediately shovels her into the people who will put her in a brothel. But that's a whole other side note. Um, well, yeah, but I, you know. I just, yeah, I love that it's not judged. Um, yeah. And I like that on a, another note that she, oh, she owns her sexuality too. That's cool. But she always has the last word in every scene. She always has the comeback and she is always in a position of power. Um, even when someone's Ooh. attacking her, she still is, they, they can't do it she's in a position of power. It's like really cool, but it's different. It's a different kind of power from the political people. Cause there was that quote that was like, 
Cary Grant at the end, he's arresting Gus Jordan and he's like, you get a little bit of political power and you think you're a king with your bribes and your petty papers and you imagine you're above the law. So it's like, that's like a bad example of someone in power. And I, I feel like they're kind of like, and Mae West is a good example. Like she treats people decently. Um, she's one of the people like, I don't know. I thought that was kind mm -hmm. of a juxtaposition of like, that's a, an example of bad power and that's an example of good power. Um, and she's an ambitious woman who gets what she wants in a male dominated world. And I liked all that. And the, there were women drinking in the saloon too. The women were also allowed to have fun and were not judged for it. Love it. That's what holds up. I mean, the quips, a lot of the quips. The quips. Yeah. We, we already kind of talked the about them. But yes. Yeah. A lot of the humor. The nostalgia for the nineties holds up. Definitely nostalgia yeah. for the nineties. Don't do, <laughs> do y'all remember handlebar mustaches? Uh, like and comment <laughs> if you do. Uh-huh. I will guide us into the double feature portion of this podcast. If you liked this movie, I think I think the movie you should check out next is I'm No Angel because I think it's a, a better movie um, in terms of like a plot. And Cary Grant is also the love interest in that one. And it's very fun. And it's very Mae Westy. Um, I'm sure it also has really problematic things in it as well, but it's from 1933. So that would track with that so that's what i would watch but i feel like the actual double feature like the movie that's the most similar is a movie called bell of the 90s a lot of the movies she made were set in like the 1890s i think she liked the style right. of that she looks great in a big hat and with that like silhouette of the 90s so um that's another one you should check out and i think duke ellington's in that one so there you go mm. and then she made a comedy with wc fields called my little chickadee that people really like but i've never seen it and then another famous movie of hers is Every Day's a Holiday, where she plays a character named Peaches O'Day, which is like a great drag name and probably is a drag name. I love that. Um, and then another one of hers that's iconic is Go West, Young Man. So those are kind of like the Mae West films to check out. Um, so in the movie Strike Up the Band, the Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney classic, there's a portion where they make fun of the entertainment from the gay 90s. So I feel like you should just watch that part of the movie. They do like a fake show. They do like, we got to do a show to make money, you know, because it's one of those movies. And the show that uh -huh. they do makes fun of all the tropes from the the gay 90s. So I think that you should watch that. I um, love that. Yeah. And then Hello, Dolly would be fun, too. Oh, yeah. Barbara is kind of Mae West-esque, Mae West adjacent. Oh, yeah. Or just watch Bette Midler. That's literally what I was just going to say. I love that we're on the same wavelength. I'm not a big old movie person, so I don't have the genius recommendations that you do. But my thing I kept thinking of was like, she is like Bette Midler. Like Bette Midler is kind of like a more modern day Mae West. So I was going to say, yeah, like Bette Midler movies, like honestly beaches because the performance character she's playing in that movie is very similar. And also like The Rose, I think might be a nice Bette Midler movie. Um, and then I was going to say, if you're looking for something really current, um, just watch Erica Jane on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm the noir guy, so I'll, I'll say Gilda is a good one to pair with this. Another where the movie kind of centers around all the men wanting this very strong woman, uh, Rita Hayworth, uh, in, a, in a knockout performance. So a little different from this, but uh, not quite as funny. But um, still kind of in the same world. Okay. Thank you for talking about this movie with me and, you know, enjoying the 66 minute masterpiece. Of course. I honestly loved it. I really enjoyed this movie and, and I enjoyed talking to you and I've learned a lot. Thanks for having us. Well, we'll see you all next time. 
on Talk Classic to Me. You have been listening to Talk Classic to Me with Sarah Greenfield. That's me! My guests this week were Lauren Lopez and Daniel Strauss. They will be featured on our Instagram page. If you enjoyed our show, please introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. And maybe even find us on Anchor.fm or Spotify for Podcasters. They're the same thing now to become a contributing member. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Talk Classic to Me for some awesome content and to find out what's coming up next. Thanks for listening. <laughs>